Paul has been about the gospel ministry. It's not been a short-term thing. He didn't teach a Sunday school class for six months and then check out. Uh, he, he didn't do things short-term-wise. He realized that when his calling came to be a follower of Christ, it was a long-term goal. That's what I shared with you last week, that your calling when it comes from Christ is an eternal calling. Uh, you should be doing kingdom things until the Lord calls you home. And then you'll be doing wonderful eternal things celebrating Jesus Christ for eternity. But you are called uh, in, in, in an eternal call uh, in your salvation. It's not a six months and out or two years and out. It, it's a lifetime calling. So you don't build your ministry on short-term goals. And in these two, first two chapters of Galatians, part of what Paul is doing is giving a defense of who he is and why he should be listened to. It's basically Paul, uh, to a certain extent, giving his resume. He's saying, look at all the things I've done. Look at how Christ has changed my life. Uh, look at who I've been with, who's, who's taught me, who's watched over me, and who's discipled me, and now <clears throat> I have the privilege to disciple you. That's what Paul is doing. So he's doing this in this first chapter, and even in this second chapter, where you'll see that Paul is, is showing who he is. <clears throat> Big deal here, important for you to understand. Paul is not listing his, his masters and his doctorates and all those kinds of things, although Paul would be the, certainly the person who could do that. Uh, some of my favorite professors, some of the, the, the greatest uh, mentors that I ever had in my upbringing had more letters after their name than you and I even have in our name. But it, when they were teaching us they never bragged, the ones that I loved at least, the ones that I thought were teaching us well, never bragged about all the letters after their name. They just bragged about, and not really bragged, but they just explained how they had come to be where they were at that moment. Um, I, can, I can name professor after professor, Dr. Tommy Lee, Dr. Jack McGorman, I, uh, Dr. Bill Toller, I can name professor after professor that overwhelms me with their incredible knowledge. Dr. Todd Still, who took us to the Holy Land, incredible men of God who every time I sit at their feet, I, I'm just overwhelmed at their knowledge. But they never talk about their PhDs and their MEDs or anything else along those lines. You know what they talk about? They talk about who Jesus is in their life and they walk and talk the gospel message and when they do that it gives credence to who they are it's the same thing Paul's doing in chapter 1 in chapter 2 he's saying listen to who I walk with listen to who has taught me listen to who has loved me let me show you my ways because he has shown me the way and because of that they're all listening to him but they're struggling too uh, the church in Galatia has, has fallen under uh, what we talked about last week was a group of people called Judaizers who uh, really emphasized the law. Uh, they emphasized the law way over emphasizing grace. In fact, they, they basically said, if you don't follow the law, you're not a believer. Uh, you're, you're not a true Christian. Have you been... Uh, circumcised too, ha are you following the right dietary 
requirements. They, they started throwing in even more than the law required. They started throwing in these extras. We have a tendency to do that too. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But that's where we find ourselves coming in to chapter 2. The last place that I want to share with you before we read the scripture is this is where we find ourselves. Is <clears throat> There's confusion now. Because the church at Galatia has been listening to different apostles who have been teaching them. You get this. You understand this. Uh, uh, the scripture talks about James and Peter and John and, and all those who have had a, a, a place in teaching them. And in the portion of the teaching, uh, Peter especially, and you'll see this as, as we launch into the second half of chapter 2 next week, but you'll see where Peter is kind of struggling with his teaching uh, because he is uh, not wanting to offend the Jews. And in not wanting to offend the Jews, he's starting to lean a little bit more toward maybe the law does need to be a little bit more involved here. Maybe we do need to have all everyone circumcised. And, and maybe we do need to follow some di dietary requirements and all all that kind of stuff. And in fact, if you, looked at ver if you look at verse 11 in chapter 2, real briefly, look at what Paul says. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Wow. So here, this, this would be, if, if I can explain it to you, maybe where you can grasp this principle, because sometimes when you read these words, you just kind of don't get the severity of it, or you kind of don't get the emphasis of it. But this would be like me coming up just after Jason uh, Johnstone talked to us about the offering and everything, and I, and I was to come up here and go, what Jason just said to you is completely wrong. And I am so sorry that I allowed him to get up here and do that. And I need to just kind of put him in his place and help you to understand what the truth is. Now, thankfully, I don't have to do that because Jason didn't tell you any untruth. But you see the, 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 the exclamation that's going on here in chapter 2, verse 11. Here's the other thing that I want you to see. The other thing that I want you to see is everybody that's sitting where you're sitting, if I was to have done that to Jason and we were to have come up there and do that, everybody that was, is sitting where you would, are sitting would be going, okay, which one's right? Is, was Jason right or was Bobby right? And, and which one's telling us the truth? And so what you see is, is this disunity or discord possibly between the apostles themselves. And so now you have all the believers who are going, oh, not sure which way I need to lean on this. And so what Paul's got to spend his time doing here and what you will see him doing is kind of giving his resume, giving the understanding of why he's teaching truth and helping to bring back unity among the apostles. Big stuff. This is big stuff happening in the book of Galatians that you and I sometimes don't read because we like to, to key on uh, certain verses, which is the theme verse that we, we're talking about here in Galatians 2. We'll, we'll get to in, in a couple of Sundays where it says, I'm crucified with Christ, yet no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. We love that verse, but we don't even kind of comprehend everything that we have to get to 
to get to that verse. That's the verse that's going to give us the unity. Hey, we are crucified in Christ, and he is who is living in me. I'm not even living anymore. That's going to be the boom verse. We're going to love that verse, but you got to do the digging to get to that verse. See what gets us to that verse. That's what we're doing this morning, all right? Wonderful. Stand up with me. We're going to do something new here. We're going to read chapter 2. Will you stand with me? We're going to read verse 1 through 10. Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Fourteen years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to Revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. This is Paul kind of frustrated saying, I want to make sure that these people begin to understand that all the work that I have done has not been in vain. Listen, he says in verse 3, Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Man, that is, you ought to go home and you ought to read that verse and you ought to meditate on that verse. That's an amazing verse because basically what Paul's saying there is some people had infiltrated their way into the church and in the midst of infiltrating their way into the church, they were teaching stuff that was going to make you and me a slave instead of making us free in the grace of Christ. And so Paul has this incredible message. Look at what he, he says uh, in verse 5. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. And as for those who seem to be important, whatever they were, makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews. For God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we just dissect these verses for the next few minutes, will you give us your grace and wisdom to know what you want to teach our hearts? And that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for doing that. Listen, let's, let's look at three things that Paul teaches us about gospel truth in, in these scriptures. Man, these scriptures are incredibly rich, and I, I want to share with you just two or three things real quickly. Um, the, the first thing that you have to see here, well, there's lots of things that you could probably pick first, but the first thing that I wanted to pick out was this. Paul teaches us that when we seek and preach truth, there's going to be some people that are uncomfortable with it. Look at ver verse 5 says this. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. There, there's going to be people that stand in pulpits that are going to preach things and they're not going to be true. You, you have to grab this from what Paul is teaching the church at Galatians. 
Uh, that's why it's always so important, and that's why you will hear preacher after preacher who's trying to preach the gospel truth say to you, it's important that you find a Bible-believing, gospel-teaching church. And the reason is because there are some people who will teach you falsehoods. And those falsehoods can take you away from what is gospel truth. And the gospel truth is always Jesus Christ did everything for your salvation on the cross and you do nothing for it. You cannot earn it. You cannot uh, follow the law enough to get it. The only way you will ever have salvation is because of what Christ did for you on Calvary and that you accept his magnificent work on the cross and you enjoy that from the grace and freedom that he's given to you. And that's what Paul's trying to teach here. Because what's happened is, is uh, they're, they're trying to let some other things slip in. I'll explain that to you in a minute. You understand it already. Uh, listen, con confrontation is never pleasant. You can ask Laura. My confrontation is not in my skill set. Uh, I, I don't like doing it. Um, in fact, a, a lot of times when we go to places or things happen, I, I'm just, I, I will turn to Laura and say, why don't you go ask them about that and see what they say, you know, because that's, that's just not w within my nature. It's not a, a skill set that Laura gave me. I, I have to tell you this, um, this story, and I'll, I'll try to be real brief, but Laura, and, and you just need to listen to this because you know this is how people are in the world. It, it directly applies I told Laura this is going to be a, a great uh, uh, imagery, uh, what happened to us over this past week, because it's, it's how people infiltrate falseness into um, weaving it in with a portion of the truth. So here we go as quick as I can. Uh, over Memorial Day holiday, Memorial Day Monday, Laura's mom was with us, so was her brother. Her brother flew in from California, picked up her mom, brought mom up to be with us in Nacogdoches so that uh, everybody could see uh, baby Riker. So we're all sitting there celebrating with baby Riker on uh, Monday morning. Uh, I get up, I think it was Monday morning, uh, maybe Saturday morning, but I, I got up early. I usually get up now because of my age, just at 6.30 no matter what. I hate it, but that's just the way it is. So I was up and Nana was up and we were the only two up and I walked in there and she said, hey, I'm, I'm gonna ask you a question. I said, okay. She said, uh, my, I, I have this LifeLock credit alert, and they called me the other day and said my credit had been compromised. And I said, what do you mean your credit had been compromised? And she said, I don't know. And she said, then I got a letter that said I owed uh, $5,000 and, you know, that I was starting money payments, uh, $120 a month. And so all this was going on. I was going, what the heck is going on? And so she had a little pad of paper down there, and I'll, I'll spare you all the de details, but... Um, she had written roof on that piece of paper, and I said, uh, what does roof mean on this piece of paper? And she said, well, Laura's brother, not the one from California, she has another brother that lives in Houston, but she said, Laura, uh, Kurt came by the other day, and there was a man who knocked on our door, and he came up and said that I needed a new roof. And so we let him in, and we started talking to him, and, and uh, he told me that I needed a new roof. And so I signed uh, some papers for a new roof. And I said, you did what? And she said, well, uh, <laughs> she said, he said it would be a top-notch job. So I signed the papers. And I said, 
Well, how much did he say the roof would cost? I don't know. You don't know how much he said the roof cost? No. So, again, I'm, I'm going to make this really sh as short as possible. I could talk about this for 30 minutes. So, when, when we got her home, uh, she read the contract to us. Laura's mom has a pretty plain Jane, very nice house, but plain Jane. It's one story, not much to the roof at all. It's 2,500 square feet. And when she started reading the contract to us, they wanted $41,000 to redo her roof. $41,000 she'd signed the contract on. When, when we found out at 6 o'clock on Tuesday night, uh, thankfully the company at least was following the rules of the law of the state of Texas. And if you don't know this, you have 72 hours to back out of a contract. And we were in the last six hours able to back out of that contract. So we got her to send us the paperwork. Uh, and I'll be as forthcoming as I can and tell you that I got Laura to forge her mom's signature on, on that contract where we denied the contract and we faxed it to that company at 7 o'clock at night and called them the next morning to make sure they'd gotten the fax. And they said, yes, we'd gotten the fax. So, they said, but one of the things we have to do if you're canceling the contract is we have to come by in, in, in person and see you. And so Laura set up the appointment for Friday, uh, yesterday, no, two days ago, Friday at 2 o'clock. Guess where I was Friday at 2 o'clock? Mr. Non-Confronter? I was at the door waiting for that joker, and I just, <laughs> he rang the doorbell, and I opened the door, and I went, Hello! And he said, is Miss Mary here? And I said, I'm good enough to be Miss Mary right now. And what would you like to talk about? And uh, anyhow, long story short, you can ask Laura. I was not mean. In fact, I backed away after a while and just said. But th this is what I did. Here's, here's part of what I want you to hear, too. I said, we have no idea uh, what the contract is for the uh, interest and for how much every payment is per month and for how long that is. And he said, well, let me look that up. And he came over here and he said, well, the interest is 8% interest. And the payments are for 12 years. And it's $450 a month for 12 years. So I got my calculator out and I looked at it. That roof, when it was paid for over 12 years, was going to cost $64,000. I had a, a roofing contractor come at 2.30 after I'd met with that guy at 2, a, a contractor, a reputable contractor. And he came and he looked at the house and got up on the roof and measured and everything and came back down and said, I can do this roof for $16,000. It's $24,000 difference. Here's what I'm telling you. And here's what I want you to grasp from that that the roofing guy that came to Laura's mom's house was going to put a roof on. And he was going to do it for money. But there were some falsehoods, some snake oil in the midst of all that. When it's $25,000 difference, there's something that's not right. That's what Paul is showing you here in chapter 2. And that's why... He confronts them. 
He says, you've got some of the truth, but you don't have all the truth. And it's important that you get all the truth and nothing but the truth. And so that's why he says in verse 5, we did not give in to them for a moment. Listen, when, when that guy came to the front door, I was convinced that he was going to try and say, well, we'll do it for 38000 or 36000 or 35000 But when he saw my face, he just basically said, can you sign here and I'll leave. Because we, we, we believe, and he saw Laura's face too, and he saw Mary's face. And I, I love Mary, that's Laura's mom. When, when I got him to explain the interest and how many years and how much a month, you know what the first words that came out of her mouth were? I can't afford that. And I went, exactly, exactly. But he said to you, this is what the man said. You know how this stuff works. This is what the man said to him. I need you to sign tonight. You must sign tonight or this price is going to go away. It's the same stuff that's happening in the gospel. People are coming in and they're saying, hey, you need to eat this way. You need to be circumcised. You need to do these things because that is all the add-ons that we pack in together that makes salvation a reality for you. And Paul says, baloney. There is no truth to that. And I am willing to confront those who tell you that because it's so important to the gospel message that we don't add anything to it or take anything away from it. The gospel message is what the gospel message is. Here's the second thing that Paul teaches. Paul teaches us that a false doctrine is really no doctrine at all. Let me say that again. A false doctrine is really no doctrine at all. Look at verse 6. As for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. Listen. Basically what he's saying here is when people are teaching falsehoods, they're false. And when they're teaching truth, there's nothing to be added because I'm teaching you the truth also. And if anything is false, it's not a, it's not a gospel at all. L listen, you can't say um, Jesus Christ will save you if you're circumcised. You can't say Jesus Christ will save you if you eat these certain foods. You can't say Jesus Christ will save you if you wear this to church. Or you can't say Jesus Christ will save you if you sing hymns and only hymns. You can't say Jesus Christ will save you if you're a good person. None of those are true. Once you get to Jesus Christ will save you and you add the if or and, you've lost the gospel. Because guess what? The scripture teaches you that Jesus Christ wants to save you. And I don't have to look out among you and say, hey, Jesus will save you if, if you get your life right. Jesus will save you if you do this or do that. All the time we're doing that. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I, you know, it's kind of like Paul said. I, sometimes I'm chief among sinners, you know. 
I, I, I get people that walk up to me all the time, and you get this. I mean, you get this. People walk up to I'd like to invite so-and-so to church, but what's the but? Well, the but is that they're not married yet, and they're living together. Guess what? Jesus Christ can still save them. I'd like to invite these people to church, but he's covered in tattoos, or but, you know, this is happening, or but. No? Just invite them to church. Invite them to hear the gospel, because the gospel can change hearts and lives and minds, and only the gospel can do that. Nothing else. You can't wipe off all the tattoos. You can't wipe off... Uh, you can't sing only hymns. You can't do any of that stuff and make the gospel any better. The gospel is incredibly good on its own. Any requirement that causes us to work and not uh, depend on Christ for the gospel is no gospel at all. The law makes you a slave. That's, that's what Paul is trying to teach here, that the law makes you a slave. Listen, I, I love what, what this one uh, preacher uh, that I follow uh, talked about in uh, and, and this I, I was going where is is Dr. Head still in here or did he leave there you are I was going to bring you up here for this illustration but I'll just let you sit there but this this will make sense to you when, when Dr. Head or Dr. Berg or, or any other doctor that's in here this morning not PhD doctor but MD doctor when, when and Dr. Head and this Dr. Head there we had lots of Dr. Heads so any, any of those, any time they're trying uh, to figure out what's wrong with you, let's say, and they put you in an MRI, and then it comes out, and they look at that MRI, that, that MRI is not the cure. That's the diagnosis. That's, it's a diagnostic tool that allows them to know what's the matter with you. That's the same thing that the law does. If you're living together and not married, the diagnostic tool that the scripture teaches us in the law is that that's not a healthy thing to be doing. You get it? That's, that's the diagnosis. That's what the law teaches you. But that doesn't save you. Guess what? If you get married, you're still not saved. What saves you is somebody who brings you the cure. Who brings you the cure? Well, the head's bring you the cure when it's something crazy, you know, internally. But when it's your heart, who brings you the cure? Jesus does. That's who brings you the cure. The diagnostic, diagnostic tool is the law. That, that's what it is. And, and what, what, what Paul's dealing here with in Galatians is not even as much the diagnostic tool. He's dealing with traditions like circumcision and dietary requirements, it would be much like you saying, hey, guess what? You can't go to Holly Springs and be saved because they have a band. And we know that bands don't save people. Only choirs save people. So find a church that has a choir because when you go to that church, then you'll be saved. It's not true. It's just tradition. This is a change in tradition. I get it. It may not be what you like, but it's, it's just a change in tradition. Most of you that are my age would never have dressed like this to go to church. 
you'd have been in suits and ties. And I mean, when I was a seven-year-old, we, I was in a, a tie going to church. And I'm so glad that tradition has changed, you know, because that tradition didn't save me. Everybody that was wearing a tie back in the 60s to go to church didn't get saved. They only got saved if they met Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, my dad wore a tie every Sunday, and he knew Jesus as his Lord and Savior. So it goes both ways. But you get it? There's a difference between the law, and there's a tr difference between tradition, and there's a difference between the truth. And the gospel truth is Jesus did everything for you on the cross at Calvary. That's all you need. All you need. And I'm going to stop because it's 11.45, and I didn't mean to go that, lo that long. Listen. Let me, let me just, we'll, we'll do some more of this next week. It's, that's what's fun about being in a book in Galatians because we're just going to come right back to it again. So I can stop just like that and we'll be back next week. Hopefully it makes you want to come back next week and go, ooh, I wonder what he was going to say next. Uh, and it may make you think, ooh, I'm missing next week. Uh, but I hope not. Listen, this, this, this is what I want you to hear when I close out. The truth is light, and, and the light will make the darkness go away. So false, false teaching will go away when the light shines on it. Uh, just like uh, the law goes away because Jesus shines on it. Traditions go away because Jesus shines on it. When, when, uh, when, we, went, uh, when we go to a uh, place in South Texas to hunt, uh, every year we go to this place that a friend of mine owns. We call it the ranch. We go to their ranch and get to hunt. It's 10,000 acres, and it's got all kinds of cool things on it. But one thing that it has on it is, is some caves. And when you go into those caves and get way back deep, dark in the caves, and, and way back, you know, you got a flashlight, and you're going way back, and you get way back in those caves. And we used to do stuff with our kids, and we would go down there. It would be all of us and all the kids. We'd be way back there. It'd be, you know, several of us dads. You had to climb down a ladder, get way back in. You couldn't see anything, and we would turn off the lights, and it would go pitch black. And you know what every kid did as soon as it went pitch black. They started screaming, you know, just said it just drives you nuts. They were screaming because it's black. You can't see anything. And I remember, she'll never remember this, but I remember one time, Ashley, my daughter grabbed my hand and they were all screaming and Ashley grabbed my hand and said it's okay dad has the flashlight and I did and I turned that light on and everybody quit screaming listen when Jesus comes and you follow him and you live for him and he turns the flashlight on you get it because it's not about the law it's not about tradition. It's about what he did for you on the cross at Calvary. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for what you did for us on the cross. And Father, we're grateful that your grace supersedes everything in our lives. Father, we're grateful that there's nothing that we can do that would earn our salvation, that it's all on you. God, as we go into this time of just reflection and, and invitation, Father, may your will be done 
on earth as it is here in heaven. Father, may your Holy Spirit have his way. And Father, may your truth shine forth. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry about the hum. Is that you? Stop that. All right. Just a second. We're going to stand and we're going to share a time of invitation. This is your chance to respond to the gospel uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you just need to come down, spend some time at the altar. Maybe you are looking for a church family to be a part of, and Holly Springs is the place where you want to place your life. Maybe you're just needing uh, somebody to pray with you. Uh, whatever is going on in your life, even if it's uh, the most important decision that you'll ever make, which would be giving your life to Christ. Uh, whatever that decision would be, this is your time to make that decision as we stand together and as we sing with Jason. The splendor of a king Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light In darkness tries to Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And oh, see how great, how great is our God. Is 
Thank you so much. Will you be seated for just a minute? Let me share with you a few announcements and then we'll be dismissed and you could be on your way to hopefully a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Uh, the group that's going to Ecuador is meeting tonight at 6 o'clock here at our church. Uh, those from First Baptist are coming out here to be with us and we're going to meet in the fellowship hall and go over just some stuff, last minute stuff to kind of get us prepared to go on our trip. So if you know anybody that's going on that trip and maybe they're not here this morning or they haven't told you that they're coming tonight, make sure that they get word and that they're coming to be a part of, of what's going on. Don't forget about praying for those that are on the mission trip. They're out with Tiffany's parents in Mexico. They should have landed already and be traveling on their way to be there. So you be sure and pray for them. You see about our women's ministry and Holly Springer's lunch and all other kinds of things that are going on. This Wednesday night, we'll meet in here again to continue with the the authority of Scripture is uh, David Platt is teaching us by video. It's been incredible. Uh, if you can be here Wednesday at 6.30, it's an amazing. Even if you've missed, you can just kind of catch up with where we are and go on. It's going to be great. And then just uh, this next week, uh, we'll be beginning to continue to make preparations for VBS too. A lot of stuff that's going on around here. So I want to make you sure that you're aware of that. Before I dismiss you this morning, I want to introduce you to some very, very dear friends of mine that are here. Dave and Deanna Petty are sitting right back here uh, behind Trish Hudson. And they have been long, long time friends of Laura and uh, mine for uh, years and years. Uh, they were members at First Baptist, very faithful. Then they moved to Glorietta, New Mexico and lived there for years and years in Glorietta. And now they live in Santa Fe, right? No, uh, we live in Rio Rancho. Rio Rancho. Which is part of Albuquerque. OK, which is part of Albuquerque. So they're, in, they're closer to Albuquerque. They have a son that lives in Tyler. And so they uh, have come here to visit him, but they wanted to come down and be a part of our church family. Uh, sweet, precious friends. Dr. Petty was a professor of sociology at uh, SFA for years and years, and he is a retired bird colonel from the Air Force, too. So he's uh, had quite uh, the life and career. Uh, very special. I would love for you to come say hello to them. They're enjoying our humidity so much. They said they love it and uh, are enjoying it. So would you be sure and tell our sweet friends hello for us and thank them for being here, being a part of our worship. If you're visiting with us this morning, no matter who you are, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you chose to worship with us at Holly Springs. And uh, if you can come back, obviously, we would love to have you be back and be a part of it. I hope the Lord blesses you and keeps you, and I hope he causes his face to shine upon you this week. Have a great week. You're dismissed.